namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Canto 1 chapter 1 text 7 Yani veda vidam shresto Bhagavan badarayana Anya cha mune munya suta Paravaro vido vado Yani veda vidam shresto Bhagavan Badarayana Anyecha Munashuta Paravara Vidovidu Yani Vidavidam Shresto Bhagavan Badarayana Anyecha munaya suta Paravara vido vidu Prabhu? No? Okay. Uh, word for word. Yani. All that. Veda vidam. Scholars of the Vedas. Shrestha. Senior most, Bhagavan, incarnation of Godhead, Badarayana, Vyastiv, Anya, others, Cha, and Munaya, the sages, Sutta, O Sutta Goswami, Paravara Vidaha, Amongst the learned scholars, one who is conversant with physical and metaphysical knowledge. Viduhu, one who knows. Translation and purport by His Grace, I mean, His Divine Grace, Srila Prabhupada. Being the eldest learned Vedantist, O Sutta Goswami, you are acquainted with the knowledge of Vyasadeva, who is the incarnation of Godhead. And you also know other sages who are fully versed in all kinds of physical and metaphysical knowledge. Report. Srimad Bhagavatam is a natural commentation on the Brahma Sutra or the Badarayana Vedanta Sutras. It is called natural because Vyasadeva is the author of both the Vedanta Sutras and Srimad Bhagavatam or the essence of all Vedic literatures. Besides Vyasadeva, there are other sages who are the authors of six different philosophical systems, namely Gautam, Kanada, Kapil, Patanjali, Jaimini, and Astavakra. Theism is explained completely in the Vedanta Sutra, whereas in other systems of philosophical speculations, practically no mention is given to the ultimate cause of all causes. Thank you. 
One can sit on the Vyasasan only after being conversant in all systems of philosophy so that one can present fully the theistic views of the Bhagavatam in defiance of all other systems. Srila Sutta Goswami was the proper teacher, and therefore the sages at Namasaranya elevated him to the Vyasasan. Srila Vyasadeva is designated herein as the personality of Godhead because he is the authorized, empowered incarnation. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gyanagyana Shalakaya Chakshurul Mitam Jaina Tasmai Shri Guru Vainamaha Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Sapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadati Swapadantikam Vancha Kalpata Rubyasha Kripasanube Yavicha Patitanam Pavanebio Vaishnavebio Namonamaha Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shirveta Gadadhar Shivasadi Gaura Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So the last time I um, gave class, it was the last two verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam in chapter 12, in Canto 12, and we're back at the beginning and we really studied the first verse in depth, since we just are now at seven, text seven. The first three verses set up what is the purpose of the Bhagavatam. <clears throat> um, the first verses four and five, it kind of starts, things start happening. That's when the Bhagavatam kind of really starts. Um, the sages are gathered, and they inquire of Sutta Goswami of the Bhagavad Purana. First, they glorify him. And verses 6 through 8. So basically what they're doing is highlighting his qualifications as to why he is speaking the Srimad Bhagavatam at this point. And what we find is from verse 6, these qualifications are that he is completely free from all vice. He's well-versed in scriptures for religious life. He's well-versed in the Puranas. He's well-versed in the histories. He studied them under the proper guidance, and he has explained them thoroughly prior. From verse 7, we learn that he's an, the eldest learned Vedantist. He's acquainted with the knowledge of Yasudev, and he knows other sages fully versed in physical and metaphysical knowledge. And in verse 8, tomorrow you'll learn about his qualities of being submissive and endowed with all favors bestowed by spiritual masters. So this is the qualification that Sutta Goswami has in teaching us the Srimad Bhagavatam and speaking at Naim, to the sages at Namasharanya. And this is important because we see this even now, right? When somebody comes to speak or if we're at a conference or a seminar, the speaker is generally introduced with their credentials. I know when I give talks, my credentials are given while I'm being introduced to show why this person is qualified to speak on whatever topic. And it also engages the audience to say, oh, okay, this person is well-learned in this topic, and so let me pay attention. Um, and then in the purports, Srila Prabhupada further explains that in order to speak on the Srimad Bhagavatam, the speaker must have some qualifications. So in the purport from verse 6, the person must be spotless in character, free from the four vices, which we know are no um, meat eating, um, no fish or eggs, 
no intoxication, no illicit sex, and no gambling. Um, they must be well-versed in the scriptures and the Vedas, Puranas, and histories, and they have to properly grasp the transcendental knowledge from the right source by submissive hearing. From verse 7, we learn that um, a, the speaker who speaks in the Vyasasan should be conversant in all systems of philosophy to fully present the theistic views of the Bhagavatam in defiance of all other systems. So when I was reading this, I was thinking, well, how am I qualified to give class? No, I, I sit on the chair because my back <laughs> and hips. Um, so actually, I was first approached to give class several years ago, and I declined because I didn't have the time, but I also didn't think I had anything, any realizations or qualifications to speak. And earlier this year, when my time freed up, I thought, well, should I give Bhagavatam class? And so I started to speak to some senior devotees about whether or not I should give Bhagavatam class. And I spoke to Giraj Swami, and he said, this is a really good idea. Prabhupada said that everyone should give Bhagavatam class because that is how we learn from the Bhagavatam. Um, Giraj Maharaj quoted that to, to give a one-hour class, you have to study a minimum of three hours to prepare for that one class. And I thought, well, yeah, that pretty much does help to get qualified. And then, of course, I always have to speak to several people. So one of my senior godbrothers, <clears throat> he told me that um, Tamal Krishna Goswami, my guru, had stated in one of his classes, he encouraged everyone to give class. Um, again, it's just a great way to hear. And we learned yesterday that um, to hear and explain scriptures is more important than reading them. So one can assimilate the knowledge of the revealed scriptures only by hearing and explaining. So I decided that I would, you know, put my name in the hat to give class. And um, even though I've only just begun studying the scriptures the last, you know, four or five years maybe, I've been initiated for 23 years, and I might have some realizations to give. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about this happened to me was that I've, well, recently I've gotten really into indoor climbing. Has anyone been indoor climbing before? So indoor climbing is, it's a way to train for rock climbing and there are several different ways to do it. There's one that's technique that's called bouldering and you're not wearing a harness, you're just kind of climbing on the wall. The walls aren't that high. They don't go up that high, but they have different routes, you know, easy, hard, harder, very difficult. Um, and so I usually just stick to the easy routes. And then they have a different kind of climbing that's called um, two-person belay, where one person's harnessed, both people are harnessed in, but one person's climbing and the other person's giving the rope. And when you let go of the wall, because you've gone pretty far up, the other person on the ground catches you and, you know, like with the rope, they keep the rope tight and then they lower you down slowly. And then there's a third type. It's called the auto belay. And the auto belay is you're harnessed in and the machine lowers you down. So, you know, this not only works out your body, but it also works out your mind. And there's a lot of fear and stuff to conquer. 
So I'd conquered most of the fear except for the auto belay. I just couldn't trust the machine to lower me down or there's that initial like you kind of fall before it catches you and then it lowers you down a lot faster than if you had a friend lowering you down would lower, but it's still pretty safe. But for some reason, I couldn't just let go of the wall and let the the machine lower me down. So about a month ago, I was climbing, and um, I was trying to psych myself up to climb up the wall with the auto belay. So I was standing in line, and during this time, there's a kids' camp that's going on. So kids are climbing, and there's a line for the auto belay. And I'm standing in this line, and when it comes to my turn, I just let the next kid go. And I kept doing this, and one of the kids noticed. He's about eight years old, and he came up to me. He's like, why aren't you climbing? And I said, well, I'm just trying to get the nerve, courage and nerve. I've been watching all of you guys do it to see if I can just let go of the wall as easily as you do. He goes, oh, it's the best part. You do all that effort to climb, and you just let go and drop down. This kid's eight, year old, eight years old. I was talking to him. He's only been climbing for a week. And he's like, here, watch me do it. And he goes and he shows me, and, he, and then he's like, okay, now your turn. And he, like, really encourages me to go up there. And as I'm climbing, he's giving me, like, pointers, and he's helping me. And then when it comes time for me to let go, he just, he kind of encourages me to let go. And I did, and it was, like, fine, right? So I was thinking about this encounter later, and I was thinking, you know, we can take instruction from anyone, Older, younger, more experienced, less experienced. He's obviously much younger than me. He's only been climbing a week. I've been climbing for six months. You know, less experienced, definitely. And yet, somehow, he was able to give me his realizations, his encouragement, and help me. And the the crazy thing about it is that I've had friends that have tried to talk me into letting go. The staff members have tried to talk me into letting go. And somehow or another, this little eight-year-old kid was able to do that. And so I think, you know, I, I even as neophyte as I feel, I may have some things to say that people can find some realization and relate to. So one of the points that's made in today's purports is that the Srimad Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Purana is one of the only philosophies that covers theism, which is why it's so distinct from everything else. Um, you know, we see that, let's see, we see that in verse 1, I mean, it's very detailed description of God and who he is and and, you know, how he is. And that's why it takes so long to get through that verse. Right, because there's it's there's so much in there about detail, the details of God, and this kind of sets the tone for the entire Srimad Bhagavatam. I mean, it's the whole message of the Srimad Bhagavatam that we're cultivating divine knowledge, and in order to cultivate divine knowledge, we want to know who and what and where and when and how. So that's what the whole purpose of the Srimad Bhagavatam is, and even. In the Bhagavad Gita, we learn that the purpose of knowledge is to learn about God, to put Krishna, who is God, in the center. So we see that there's a lot of atheists and agnostics, people that don't really believe in God or don't believe, they're not sure about the existence of God. And when something big happens, like this weekend, 
there was this shooting in El Paso. You know, I see it all the time. Oh, there, this proves there is no God. Um, and so, really, it's hard to to convince anybody one way or another. But one of the things that I see is that we learn about things such as reincarnation and karma in the Srimad Bhagavatam and in the Bhagavad Gita. And, you know, definitely the shooting is a tragic event, and my heart goes out to anyone who's been affected by it, lost anybody, or even been injured as a result. And there are many theories out there about why something like this happens, like we talk about lack of gun control or mental illness. You know, there's all this politics around something like this that can happen. But when we look from a viewpoint based on studying scriptures, we realize it's actually the underlying basis for it is lack of God consciousness. And God consciousness means understanding we're not this body, that we are spirit souls. And as spirit souls, we are servants to a loving and kind God. When we realize this, we see that everyone else is also a spirit soul, and we're all here for a common purpose, to serve God. So then, and this applies not just to humans, but even the animals and plants, and every living entity is a spirit soul. So we learn to value every life and have compassion for every single living entity. And there's no question of acting violently and taking a life or shooting up a store or doing any kind of these kinds of things that we talk about. We also learn in the Bhagavad Gita that, you know, when when we die, we don't definitely perish. Um, Krishna says, there was never a time that I did not exist, nor you, nor these kings. So we know that the soul does not perish. The body can die, but the soul carries on. doesn't mean that we're not going to miss the person that we may have lost. Um, you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss my dad or my guru. Um, and then recently, I think we just learned that one of our godbrothers just passed away as well. And and even though I haven't had much contact with him in you know many years, it's still very sad. I feel like it, a, a deep loss in my heart from his presence not being here. But we can take solace in knowing that death is not the end, and we treasure each life for as long as it lasts and not violently and needlessly taking a life. So one of the things that kind of hones in this point, um, I went to L.A. Rathayatra this past weekend, and we all know one of the big draws, or one of the big things that happens at the L.A. Rathayatra is the protests, that people come out and they have their Jesus saves signs and they protest, and this year, I, I feel like it was a lot worse than the years past, but maybe it's just my memory. I tend to downplay things that I don't care about. Um, <clears throat> so they were speaking some really, like, oh, ugly stuff and just harsh and vile things. This guy was just spewing out. And, you know, the interesting thing is right now in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm reading chapter 16, which is about the divine and the demoniac. And one of the things that Prabhupada says is that, in the purports, is that, you know, one who does not believe in God has demoniac mentality. 
But here we see someone who claims to believe in God, and yet he's very much has a demoniac mentality. And so Prabhupada goes on to say that, you know, sometimes they don't know what is the true God, what is really God. And so they behave violently, they act, you know, violently, they they speak violently, they're very harsh. Um, and so it's really hard to say that, you know, with... Um, it's hard for me to say that they're they're representing, you know, theists because they they don't have that compassion and love for people of and tolerance for all people. I mean, they're talking about Jesus saves. Well, Jesus's way was to um, spread his message with love and peace, and you know that's not what they're embodying. So they're not really following his teachings. So with um, that's one of the things that I try to focus on in Krishna consciousness is is leading with compassion and love and tolerance, right? Not doing this or you're doing this. It's more about where are we on this path and on this journey and how can we support and help each other. And sometimes that support and help comes from somebody who's not um, practicing the same faith that we are, but they're still serving God. And so we just have to be open and submissive enough to hear it from certain people or in certain ways. And, of course, we also have to have some judgment in what is actually going to help us and what's not. For instance, something like this, like the protesters we see in L.A., may not necessarily help us. Um, but it, one of the things it did was just, it, it had a few mixed reactions for me. One was like at first when I heard what they were saying, it, it started to make my blood boil a little bit. And then I just started to laugh because I thought, how ridiculous. You know, is it how threatened do you feel in your own faith that you have to go out and do this? Or, you know, and then I started to feel like, you know, it's just people are doing what they think is best, but it's not necessarily so. And, and they're, you know, people can act from a level of ignorance. And it's that kind of thinking that leads to, you know, progression to something that happens, like that happened in El Paso, somebody shooting up a store. So, you know, in order to counter that, it's just, it's, it's educating and teaching and, and leading with love and compassion. What questions do you have for me? I ask for questions. Okay. Um, Comments? I did have a can I give you the mic so that way the pe- internet people can... Um, so years back, Srila Gurudev brought me along with him to the L.A. Rath Yatra. And um, so those days, the Rath cart would go like right down this, I want to call it a road that went along the beach. And um, there, was a, there was a cross section um, where like another road ends perpendicular into that beach road. And they had these huge concrete pylons. They're like... Something you'd expect to see in a truck stop, you know, to protect trucks. So they were to keep um, cars from driving out on the beach. So there were like a thousand devotees doing kirtan 
in, you know, three, four, five hundred devotees in front of each cart. And um, so the first cart came, and those pylons kind of keep you in this one little area. So you can only go straight through there. Okay, past that road, like the, the road's like, anyway, it's about as big as the temple. And um, so the Christian guys were the ones in the cow suits. The cow guys, yeah. So they come out in their cow suits and they're picketing us and saying, you know, Christ is the only way, you're all going to hell and everything. And then one guy um, takes this, he has a car, a small car, like a Toyota Corolla or something, and he pulls the car in between the pylons and blocks Lord Jagannath's wrath, the Atra cart. So, you know, he slams the doors and locks the car, and he, and then him and the guys in the cow outfits and everything, they start cheering and saying... We've done it. We stopped the Hare Krishnas. We stopped them. So then the devil, you know, and they're shaking their little, you know, you go all going to hell signs and everything. So the devotees just went around his car. I've never seen this before. I didn't, I would have never thought of this either. But about, let's say, 20 guys. And they just picked the car up off the street. And they carried the car out onto the beach, you know, but they didn't just put it down on the sand. They turned it sideways and put it down on the driver's door. <laughs> so the guy comes running out onto the beach, you know, and he falls on his knees. My car! My car! You know, like that. You know, and then, so the devotee said, this is what you get. You know, this is it. And then, so the kirtan just keep, keeps going, you know. Hi, Christian. It's like Agni Dave for leading this like ecstatic character. And then, you know, the whole reason those pylons are there so you don't put your, bring your car out on the beach, right? So this cop comes out there and looks at him crying next to his car and said, sorry, you've got your car on the beach. He writes him out a little ticket. <laughs> I thought you might like that. Thank you for sharing. That was definitely entertaining. Um, and-
Thank you. So I'll just kind of briefly recap for Internet World. So Naratan says um, the point about learning from anyone is a good point because um, even in the Bhagavatam, in several places, they talk about you know Brahmins that learn from people, prostitutes, um, spiders. And he gave the example of this Brahmin was watching the spider and how he was weaving his web, and that you know he could. Um, kind of walk around the web and, you know, other flies and stuff get trapped in it, but he doesn't get entangled in it. It's just the same way that God can create the material world and come in it, but he doesn't get entangled with it. And that was the realization he had watching a spider. So that's something we can learn. And that, and he was saying that, you know, it's a great way to relate to people is in this mood of, you know, learning from each other. And I completely agree, especially when we take that submissive approach. And it's something that I'm working on because sometimes, you know, ego is like, I know I've had this such and such training, so therefore I know more than you. Um, and on some level that might be true. I might have certain knowledge more than another person, but they may have more knowledge in a certain area than I do. Or, you know, the way they say it, say something um, it resonates more than, you know, the way I tell myself it. And so we can always learn from each other. Um, and that's just something that I'm working on, too, is is learning from each other. Yeah, so. We sure do. We all have our talents and skills, right? And that's one of the big lessons in the in the Bhagavad Gita is that we should play to our skills. We have our dharma, and that encompasses our skills. And we do our duty, not with you know want for fame, recognition, but we do it for the purpose of doing it. And then the results are what they are, and we don't get attached. Well, I want it to turn out this way, and I'm. I'm doing this to, you know, and when they don't get it, then you just try harder or you get disappointed. And really, it's just more about you're doing your duty and whatever happens, happens. And that's where the skills come in. And that's one of the things that I've been, like, studying and reading a lot in the personal development world is, you know, what are my God-given skills and how can I hone that to use to serve Krishna and devotees and um, people in general. There's aptitude, but there's also just that skills, passion that you're, you know, you're, I feel like it's that purpose. You know, the, we each have our own purpose here. Recognizing what you're good at. Recognizing what you're good at and how do you use that to help others? Thank you. All right, so Hare Krishna, Tarantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki.